Well, good morning, Northland. It's good to see you this weekend. It's good to be with you. It's always a joy uh, to be with the body of Christ as we worship our good and great God. Uh, glad you made it this weekend as well. We're going to begin our preaching time where we have been doing in the last few weeks. For those who haven't been here, we've got a new rhythm right at the top of the preaching time. We're just carving out a few minutes here to look at the primary text of Scripture that we'll be looking at today. Read that text together. And then before we hear things from a preaching standpoint, we want to hear from you. We'd love to hear what God is teaching you in this passage or what the Spirit's revealing to you, some, some elements of truth. Uh, we always have a couple questions to help maybe guide some of the discussion and guide the thinking. And so those questions will be on the screen. They're, they're actually in your worship guide as well. A couple of key questions as we look at the text. But hopefully you have a Bible with you today. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 2, just a short text today. Colossians chapter 2, we'll be looking at verses 6 through 8. Colossians 2, 6 through 8. If you haven't been with us, um, you may have heard we are involved deeply into this series called First Principles, and we're on this first series about becoming a disciple together. Today we'll be looking at week three, the session three of, of this book, and it's talking about the, the foundational elementary principles of the faith. And so with me, if you would look at Colossians chapter 2, I'll read these verses, and then let's see what God is telling you. We'll have an opportunity to have some microphones where you'll be able to give some feedback. Uh, some individuals will be able to bring those microphones around in just a moment. And if you're online, you can be a part of that as well. Let's look at the scripture together this morning. Colossians 2, verse 6. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed, and overflowing with gratitude. Verse 8, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the traditions of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Paul gives us some, some strong imagery, a few key words in here, and there's the images of rooted, built up, and established in here, and they communicate much about the progression of our spiritual walk, of, of our faith. So what, what is it that you're seeing in that? When you see those words, what is that imagery? What do you think Paul's trying to teach us here? Uh, that'll be our first question. The second question you can also think about is, what are some of the elementary principles of the world and then the elementary principles, the elementary teachings of Christ? It mentions that in verse 8. Well, what do you think he's referring to there and why does he caution us in that area? There's going to be some microphones around and Lori's going to help moderate this, but share with us this morning. Let's learn together. If any of you would like to respond to that, just put your hand up into the air and someone will come to you with a microphone. If you're online worshiping with us, you can respond by um, emailing your response into discuss at northlandchurch.net and we will hopefully get a few of those as well. Okay, we are going to go over to Bethany's mic. And say your name for us, too, will you, when you get the microphone? Thanks. Yeah. Hi, Pastor. My name is Chris. Hey, Chris. Um, what I get from this is that human nature is to kind of idolize people. Hmm. And so even among the church, we can look at certain pastors as being more, having more authority than others. Hmm. And so I think what Paul is trying to caution is that don't follow a person, 
mm. but follow Christ yeah. and sort of fight that human nature that we have to idolize someone that we admire yeah. versus testing them by the Holy Spirit and making sure they're speaking truth. Absolutely. That's very good. And you see that right in the very first phrase, right? You were rooted and established in Christ Jesus our Lord. Very good. Good observation. All righty. Let's go up to the mezzanine and Dave's microphone. Hello, good morning. Hey, good My morning. name's Wendy. Hey, Wendy. And the first thing I thought of um, when they're talking about being wearing of the traditions of men, the basic principles, um, is self. Mm. The first thing I thought was, who do you think of the most? Yourself, mm. usually. And that's not what Jesus taught, that mm -hmm. you have to think of everyone else oh, um, okay. better than yourself and consider everyone else's needs and not just your own. Oh, great feedback, great feedback. Right on question number two, some of the elementary principles of this world seem to be all about self, and Jesus tells us something very different. Thank you, Wendy. Let's go to Jenny's microphone. My name is Tom. Hey, Tom. I'm a disciple in Christ. This is a great passage. Actually, um, on my walk the last couple months, I thought I had dependency on God, but I didn't. I, got, I let myself get sucked into an addiction, addiction of people, places, and things. But over the last couple of weeks, what God has opened has been extraordinary. He's able to let me, let me lean on him on the high, Christ. And it's made such a difference in my life. The pain I endure every day is awesome because I know all that dependency has to be on God. The world will always fail me. It has for, you know, through drugs. I mean, God is so awesome. He's got me through alcohol, drugs. Self-centeredness. Mm. I mean, I mean, I'm never going to be not self-centered at all. But let's be realistic. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been just, and Northland has made such a difference in my life. Mm. Ever yeah. since I got baptized last, was it June? I think to have last obedience June, sure. to God. Yeah. And I can't sit in a church and not praise Him. He's done too much for me. Oh, He's done way too much. That's awesome. Way Amen, too much. Tom. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Amen. <laughs> We can just, Jenny, look just to your right, right there. There's another hand roll just in front of where you were. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer. And uh, I wanted to speak to the first question yeah, there yeah. with the images of rooted, built up, established. Um, rooted being hopefully maybe you were raised in the faith, but even if you just came into it, yeah. you still have a family which is being built up in your, your spiritual community. And then established, meaning, well, you might have gone through something that kind of tested that faith mm. and, and how have you grown into it. Oh, that's great. Very good. That's a whole other angle on it that we haven't heard in the other services. That's great. Good. All right. And we are going to go way over up on the ramp there to Sarah's mic. Hi. Hey. Oh, gosh. Hi. <laughs> um, I'm Alina. Hey, Alina. And uh, to the first question. Um, I'm reading a section in a book called Rhythms of Grace, uh -huh. and it tells a part about Isaiah 44, 13 through 20, and I just wanted to yeah. say what it has to say. Um, so it says, while the carpenter clearly is master of the wood, growing the tree, cutting it down, carving and burning it, he misplaces his hope and bows down to the worship worships the product of his hand. Mm. In doing so, he becomes like the wood, blind, foolish, and ignorant. Ah. So. Awesome. Thank you. Some insight from there. Thank you. Good reading. Let me see. Anyone else? 
What if we dial in as we're going through? Can you dial in on question number two? Think about question number two, some of the elementary principles of the world. When you think of the teachings of the world, we had uh, one, I, was, I think it was Wendy up there that said um, uh, the self-focus versus what Jesus would give us. What are some of the other elementary teachings or the philosophies of the world that would be in contrast to Jesus? Let's go to Bethany's mic. Hi, my name is Lois, and Hi, Lois. I'm still on question one. So oh, go for it, yeah. <laughs> I, I just love the rooted because mm. that's private and unseen. Mm. And that before oh, we can really move out, we really need to have that inside of oh, us. Oh, I love that, yeah. And that that's, that's where God really starts the work. Oh, that's great. What a great uh, observation, Lois. A root is private and unseen. That's beautiful. That's great. Hey, some props. Some... <laughs> awesome. <clears throat> um, I do, I'm seeing a hand over in that area. Hang on just a second. I'm going to take one from online, Pastor right. Jeff. This is James, and he says, it seems that Paul is saying simply to not be caught up in the negativity and the elementary principles, just as you said, Pastor. Uh, we have to stand strong in faith and not sway, even when trying to help someone that doesn't believe. Mm. We can love them for who they are and accept them, but don't sway in our faith. Oh, that's great, yeah. When we're anchored, uh, we'll be able to do that well. Great, great. Thanks, James. That's great. Okay, and then we're going to go to Sarah's mic. Over to your left. There you go. go. Hi, Jeff. My name's Don. Hey, Don. I just wanted to say a couple of things uh, about both questions. Uh, The first one, it seems like in order for us to walk in him, the word been, having been, we have to kind of be, that's a past tense word, so Mm -hmm. we have to be firmly rooted built up and established, which is, comes through instruction and also being with gratitude. Yeah. And some of the things that we need to look out for in philosophy and empty deception, uh, empty, uh, deception about Christians is uh, philosophies that we hear about um, um, prosperity, of Christian comfort, uh-huh. and things about, you know, uh, if we're, something bad happens, it means God's mad at us. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes to grow in Christ, we have to go through difficult times, and it doesn't necessarily mean we're being bad. Yeah. So there's a lot of, like, things that are out there that can influence our walk with Christ that aren't necessarily biblical. That, that's a great observation. Sometimes we quickly go to the category of these black and white, obviously Jesus said this, the world says this, but there's some that in the name of Jesus are telling us the wrong thing. Very good. That's great. Yeah. All right. Um, I, there are two more I want to get to. The first one's going to be down here with Danny, and then we're going to go up into the balcony. I see over here a hand if Dale or somebody can get over to that gentleman. We'll go to Danny's mic in the meantime right down here. Hi. Good morning, Jeff. Uh, my name is Rick. Oh, and Rick. Rick. Okay. When, uh, when I read the passage where it says, see, it, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, mm. according to the tradition of men, the thing that I'm always struck by is how we want to make it more complicated oh, than yeah. it really is. <laughs> and, and I think that's what happens a lot of times is people think they're moving closer to Christ. They, mm. they make things more complicated mm. and, and then expect others to embrace those complications. And mm. he purposely made it really simple for us. That's a great observation. Thank you. Good. Great. This will be our last response up in the mezzanine. Hi. Morning, Jeff. Hey. Jim. Jim. I think in this passage, what we're seeing is Paul is talking to people who um, tend to drift toward traditions that may or may not be good for them. In this case, mm-hmm. I think that's the question of circumcision versus uncircumcision. Mm-hmm. 
I think as far as elementary principles, one of the things people tend to do is rather than putting their complete focus, whatever the cost, into Jesus, they like to be a part of uh, a sense of, a, I don't know, a group or mm. uh, an affinity group, mm. um, a particular tradition, a particular mm. uh, football team, <laughs> a, a particular t- type of car, uh, whatever. We, we all want to be belonging to yeah. something. Yeah. And I think Paul is saying, what about belonging to Jesus? Mm. Completely sold to him, yeah. for him in every aspect with all of the potential suffering and and so on. Absolutely, yeah. That's great, Jim. Yeah, everybody's looking for a tribe or a club to be a part of. Yeah, great insights. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, everybody. Um, I know this is different for some. I know some of you are thinking, gosh, this is a little different, but I am growing to love this part because there's such a beautiful collective wisdom that can come from this. In fact, um, I was telling the other services, I actually am bringing my copy of the First Principles to the services uh, each weekend. While the preaching's happening, there's some margin in each of the sessions. I'm just writing the notes from the message as another scholarly guidance to it. But I'm also not writing down some of the answers that I'm hearing uh, because, again, one of two things is happening when we're hearing these things. Either, I mean, for time's sake, we can't have every single person give a response. Obviously, that's not practical. But you may hear another response and you're feeling like, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking or just what I would have said. And there's an affirmation and the Spirit's able to affirm you are uh, in sync with the way the Scripture is teaching and others are believing and hearing the same thing as well. Or another thing that could be happening is you're hearing something that is enlightening. It's opening your mind and your heart to something new and and the Spirit's able to teach you something new. Either way, it's a great win. And that's the beauty of this collective discussion and collective wisdom. Thank you uh, for contributing. Thank you for online helping us with that as as well today too. Keep your finger, if you have a Bible, keep your finger right in there in Colossians 2 because we will come back to that in just a few minutes as well. Let me ask you this question. Um, here in Central Florida, you getting a little bit of a soccer fever right now? What's going on? Yeah, some fans of the Orlando City team. Yeah, it's a, if you, unless you've been living under a rock, you're seeing a lot of purple around town. 62,000 people at the inaugural game last weekend at the Citrus Bowl celebrating the new first season in the MLS, making a big step up there. Big win Friday night for our Orlando City soccer team. It's a great time to be a fan here. Well, when Jesus would uh, start his messages, he would often start with a parable. And and if you'll allow, I'd I'd like to start with a parable of sorts this morning. And often Jesus, when he would start his parable, he would say something like, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he would tell a story, a practical illustration from real life that would give a better understanding of what it's like to follow in the path of Jesus or what the kingdom of God would be as we would go forward. And so I'd like to say that the kingdom of heaven is like, it's like you having a friend who is a fanatic about soccer, loves the Orlando City team, and they invite you, say, hey, why don't we go catch a match down at the stadium? Now, maybe you aren't the greatest soccer fan in the world, but you're a little intrigued because of the energy and the joy you've seen in your friend about the soccer. You think, why not? I'm a a little curious. And so you give it a shot. You guys go buy tickets, you head down to the stadium. And as soon as you enter into it, you're overwhelmed. You realize 
whoa, there's a lot of people that are excited about soccer. There's an energy, there's an anticipation here. I'm telling you, if you've never been to a soccer match, it is like what you would hope a worship experience would be every week. I'm not kidding. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. You've got 60,000 people just swaying, going nuts. The drum thing's going. They've got the scarves. There is full-on participation around this little round ball running around, and your team putting it in a net, right? It's a big, I've actually described it to my wife. I'm like, it's a worship experience to be at one of these matches. And you're caught up in it. You're like, wow, I've, I've not experienced something quite like this before. Before you ever get into the game, though, you, you do what everybody else is doing. You head to the concession stand. You get some nachos. You're getting a drink for the game. And as you're in line with some other people, big crowd around, you feel this big hit on your shoulder. You turn around and you find yourself looking eye to eye with this tall Brazilian athlete wearing a purple jersey. And you aren't the soccer fan extraordinaire here, but even you recognize, holy cow, this is Kaká. I mean, this is the international soccer superstar that's just joined our team. He's like, wow, to a bunch of fanfare. And he's, he's locked eyes on you in this big crowd. You don't even know what to say. Jaw dropped. And Kaká looks at you in the eye and says this, put down your nachos. Come follow me. And I will make you a player for the fans. <laughs> Stay with me. <laughs> so immediately you put down your nachos and follow him. And as you're going, the very next thing you realize is you're being handed a beautiful brand new Orlando City jersey to put on. Because everybody's saying, hey, you're now part of this team and everybody needs to know it. You put this on and you are totally overwhelmed. You know you are not worthy of what's happening here, but you've accepted this invitation because of who Kaká is and the story that's been told by so many. How could you not accept this invitation? You accept it, you put the jersey on, everybody knows you're part of the team. And the question becomes, now what? <laughs> Now what? There's a new reality setting in. I got to be a soccer player. And if it hasn't dawned on you yet, it will quickly. That there are a number of elementary principles to the game of soccer that you better understand and learn if you want to really enjoy being a soccer player. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A couple weeks ago, we started this series. Pastor Joel started us up with the good news, the gospel of Jesus. He is the long-awaited, long-promised Messiah. He is the answer. And at some time in your journey, he has either done this or he will do this again and again. He comes up and taps on your shoulder. He taps on your heart. And he invites you to something that if you receive it, you're receiving it knowing that you are fully unworthy of this. You're overwhelmed by this love, but because it's him, you can't help but accept the invitation. Next thing you know, last week, week two, you gotta let the world know about this. You've gotta identify with this new team, this new family of God. And that's what baptism represents. You put on the jersey called baptism and you let the world know that unworthy, I'm accepted just like everybody else and now I'm part of this family and I want the world to know. I've got a new identity. But then the next question is, now what? Now what happens? Well, if you've had that moment in your life or you've recently given your life to Jesus, you've either become aware quickly or you soon will become aware that there are some elementary principles to what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And if you really want to find joy, I mean real joy in journeying in Jesus, then he's called you to learn his words and his ways 
and to learn these in a way that gives you life abundantly. That's what Paul is telling us in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 tells us, just as you have received Christ Jesus our Lord, that's your invitation. He tapped on your shoulder. Just as you are now part of this family, keep walking in him. And it gives us these beautiful pieces of imagery that you guys are talking about and you're discussing. And, and here's what they do. A little bit more to give you some context in the language here about some of these words like rooted and built up. What do they mean? When you get in the structure of the original language, they each actually have a tense to them that talk about a, a continuation in our journey. The word rooted, uh, it, it's really talking about a past tense, and that was referenced. There's a, there's a past tense, something that happened internally that I'm rooted. And when you see the word rooted, it has this idea that there's life, there's vitality to it. Anything that's alive will have some kind of a root to a life source. You've been rooted and established. There's an anchoring to something solid, hopefully. And the second word, that the idea of being built up or being established, that really carries the idea of a present tense. Uh, a more accurate reading in the original would be being builded up and, and the idea that's happening right now, presently in your journey. Whether you've just recently become a follower of Jesus or you're well down the journey, you are presently being built up. It's got this idea of solidity, of strength. More and more you're being strengthened in your faith day after day. And then the, the word in the first phrase there, as you have received Christ Jesus and been established, walk in him. That word walk obviously has motion to it. It's future. There are steps to be taken. There are new things to be faced. And as you walk in Jesus, taking that next right step in front of you, you will be able to take new territory in your spiritual journey. This is the imagery that Paul's given us. And if we were to capture all of Colossians 2, verses 6 through 8, this whole idea, he says you want to stay walking in what you've been established because in verse 8, there are so many philosophies and thinkings and so many things in the world that want to just derail you. They want to take you captive. The philosophies and traditions of men, guard yourself from that. And instead, stay focused on the teachings and the ways of Jesus. A great Greek word for this is the word didache. It's going to be on the screen for you, the word didache. And it looks like the word didache, but it's actually pronounced didache. And it's, it's the English transliteration of the Greek word where we get the word doctrine. Or we get the idea of a teaching or an instruction in life. Paul says, in this case, you have learned a didache of Jesus Christ. You've learned his words, his ways. They have shaped the foundation, the roots of who you are. Keep walking in this. Walk in this didache because as Paul says, I have found life and you have found life in it. Jesus Christ is our anchor. So keep walking in his teaching or in his didache. Rhythm in our home on Saturday mornings may be similar to yours. Saturday happens to be about the only morning of the week that Leslie, my wife and I, can sleep in a little bit. Except for the fact that our kids don't want to sleep in on Saturday morning. So that kind of ruins that plan just about every week. Almost every Saturday, the doors open, they sneak in, they want to jump right in bed, wake us up. And I'm not kidding, as quickly as possible, it turns into Theology 101. And it's not me driving that, it's the kids driving it. It's, it's cute and it's really kind of fun because, man, they ask the greatest questions and it just cracks us up. I'll give you one. Um, Lauren asked a few weeks ago, Dad, do you think Jesus enjoys roller coasters? Oh, man, it's so early. I got drool all over my face still. What are you hitting me with that for this early in the morning? 
She said, well, here's the thing. You're always talking about how Jesus is always with us, and I love riding roller coasters, so I know Jesus is with me. Do you think he's having fun on the roller coaster with me? <laughs> Isn't that great? I love the mind of a child. A couple of weeks ago, Garrett, here we go, Mom and Dad. Garrett asked the question, jumps in there. He's like, all right, Dad, do you think it's time that you start having the talk with me of how God gets the baby in Mama's tummy? To which I said, I said, hey, I got an idea. We've got this new thing called Ask a Pastor that you can email questions. Why don't you send that right into Pastor Joel and let him answer that one for you? <laughs> Two weeks ago, Saturday morning, um, we were in bed and having the conversations. Theology 101 starts. And Garrett says, Dad, what is it when... What is it when a person's born in Israel? Yeah, Jewish, that's right. I've got a friend in class who says she's Jewish and she believes in God, but she doesn't believe in Jesus. How is that? And then I've got a couple other friends that I can't remember. Is it, it's, a, it's that religion in India a lot. I'm like, Hindu? Yeah, Hindu. Uh, she and he, they both say that they believe in Hindu. And man, I don't even understand what they're saying when they're talking about it. And, and then, you know, my, one of my best little buddies, Jimmy, I told you, you know, he doesn't even believe in God. His family doesn't believe in God. You know what Jimmy and each of Garrett's little classmates and Garrett Bell is also learning? They're each learning a didache. They're learning a teaching. There is someone or someones who have taught them a teaching, an instruction, a doctrine in life that is already shaping who they are. It's shaping their beliefs and it'll shape their behaviors as they grow up. Can I give you a truth today? Every single person alive is being shaped by a didache. You, me, every person alive is being shaped by some type of a teaching, some type of a philosophy, a, a doctrine, an instruction, a, a worldview on life. And it's shaping your behaviors, your beliefs, the way you live, the way you interact with others. It's a didache. Whether you find yourself as a small business owner and maybe you're shaped by some of the didache and the principles of a Peter Drucker. Or maybe you're a retiree in Central Florida. Whether you're a grad student at UCF. Or maybe you're an eight-year-old in first grade in elementary. Maybe an eight-year-old in first grade in elementary in Ferguson, Missouri right now. Or maybe an 11-year-old growing up in Iraq being taught by ISIS leaders on how to execute an Israeli man. You know what all of these individuals and us include? We're learning a didache. It's a teaching. It's a framework of life. And our behaviors and our beliefs will all be filtered through that. So here's the major question for us. The didache that is shaping your life, does it give life or does it take life? Does it give life to you and allow you to experience the things that we would call the fruit of the Spirit in Scripture, the love, joy, peace, all those things in your life as well as the lives around you? Is the Didache giving life to people who know you or is the Didache creating something ugly in you that's actually taking life, not just from you, but maybe even those that you interact with? What is your Didache, the teaching that you follow, really doing to you? And maybe just kind of take an inventory in your mind right now what your week looks like when your thought life drifts, when you're on your own and you're thinking through and the things that shape your life, that's shaping your didache. What is really happening there and what is your didache doing to you right now? 
Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. He, this Sermon on the Mount is where you, know, you have the Beatitudes, the, the attitudes that a follower of Jesus should have. It's, it's got passages on, you know, where Jesus says, you have heard it said, but I say to you. He says that about half a dozen times in a matter of a couple chapters there. He gives instruction in this big sermon on how to treat the poor, how to deal with your finances. All these different relational interactions we have. Over and over, Jesus is preaching a new instruction, Didache, on life. And it says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, he's wrapped it all up, he's sitting down, and this was the response. Jesus is teaching, his didache in the Greek there, Jesus is teaching amazed. It astonished the crowds. It, was it his craft? Was it his masterful oratory abilities? No, it says in verse 29, he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. He was teaching them as having an authority. There was something new. There was something bigger that Jesus was teaching and it pierced their hearts. There was an authority because he's the author of life. And he was teaching them the words and the ways to live and be set free in a new way. And they hadn't heard anything like this before. This was Jesus' didache and it transformed so many lives. Move to a familiar passage, Acts chapter 2. Many of us know this passage. It's where the, the early formation of the church, these first gathering of believers, just like we are today. Acts 2.42, it says that they continued steadfastly or daily. They devoted themselves to the apostles' didache, the apostles' teaching. It's this core body of teaching that Jesus and the apostles gave. And it was intended to be followed fully by all believers. And they recognized that. They took it very seriously. And so they devoted themselves day after day, house to house. When they would gather in a setting like this in a temple court, they would devote themselves to the didache, the teaching of Jesus and the apostles. And they would work out what it meant to live this daily in their lives. Any casual glance through the scripture reveals that our God is a God of order. He's a God of plans. He's got a, a plan in mind for everything. And go, go way back to the creation story. Or think about the, the building of the ark and the instruction he gives Noah. Uh, the, the giving of the law and how systematic it's laid out. The design of the temple over and over through scripture. We see that we have a God of order, a God of plan. And then you look at virtually every page of scripture and you see that God has this long, arching master plan of providing redemption for all who would believe on Jesus Christ. So if that's the case, if he's got a master plan of redemption for those who believe, wouldn't it stand to reason that Jesus also has a plan for those who receive that redemption of what it means to live in his ways now? Yeah. And in the New Testament, we see Jesus model it over and over. But in addition to that, God uses in a big way the writings of the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote, many of you may know, he wrote at least a dozen letters. We call them books now, but the letters in the New Testament to different churches and church leaders. And over and over in these, he would reiterate how important the teaching of Jesus was and how important the teaching of the apostles was. And he would call the churches to live out this faith and, and to teach it and to embody it for the generations that would follow. This didache, it's, it was so crucial. It actually answered that question of now what? Uh, you, you've received the invitation. You've put the jersey on. You've made yourself identified with this. Now what? 
I'm part of this new community. I'm part of this new body of believer. How do we live this faith out that we've just discovered? Or as Francis Schaeffer might say, how then shall we live? That's what the Didache set to answer. Paul says this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So then, brethren, stand firm and hold to the traditions which you were taught, whether by word of mouth or by letter from us. These New Testament letters that we have, or the word of mouth, the process, the grappling and wrestling that they were having together in, in different gatherings around the teachings of Jesus. How do we live as a result of the principles that Jesus gave us? He says it to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 11. I praise or I celebrate you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions that I passed on to you. I took this very seriously. In fact, author Kevin Perota says this. We usually think of the Christian message mainly as a set of beliefs. Maybe something that you go to a 101 class and you get all the different order of doctrine and put it in a notebook and put it away, right? He said, no, we miss it because we miss the New Testament's emphasis on the body of teaching about the Christian way of life. Christ, the apostles, and the leaders of the early church considered the teaching about the Christian way of life to be the norm. This was their new normal as Christians. They viewed the Didache not as a distant ideal, but as something that ordinary people would actively live out. Simply put, conversion meant new behavior. Conversion meant new behavior. You accept it, you embrace it, you're part of the family, and then there is something new. You want to live in the joy of this? There's modifications that take place in your life. Not just because we're trying to have behavior modification to earn anything, but because we want to experience all that God has for us. And the New Testament is loaded with this truth. We see it everywhere. Repeatedly, we see this call to live on a different plane, to live a different way. We're called to take these core teachings, these principles of the faith that Jesus and the apostles laid out for us. And we're called to live in a, in a way that reorients our life around it and live in the freedom and the life and the joy that it brings. Here's a key that you have to get. You can't do this on your own. You just can't. And I'll take a step further. You can't do it fully just on a Sunday morning gathering like this. This is why you've heard so much over the last, what, 12, 18 months now about the importance of finding an us, finding a gathering that you walk closely with, that you belong to, that you wrestle and grapple with what it means to live the principles of Jesus out. It's the very nature of this. You have to wrestle through community. The New Testament is loaded with all the one another examples this collective spiritual journey that comes together. And it can only be experienced with others who are on a similar journey just like you. It's almost as if Jesus had a pretty good idea what he was doing when he started the church, huh? He knew we would need this. And it would help us to experience the spiritual walk when we experience a spiritual family. We each have a Didache, friends. We are each being shaped by a Didache. And the question is, is the one that you're being shaped by giving life to you and those around you? Or is it taking life from you and those around you? If you were to ask my daughter, I asked her this week, what's your favorite word of scripture? And I already knew the answer, but I wanted to hear her quote this verse again. There's not a day, just not a day that goes by that she doesn't quote John 10.10. 10. 
though the thief may come to kill, steal, and destroy, Jesus says, I have come to give you life. That is a powerful verse for us. There is a crossroads right there. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's it. There's no other answer. There's no other way. Everything else leads to something else. Jesus alone leads to life. On solid, on Christ the solid rock I stand. Everything else is sinking sand. Does your didache lead to life or does it lead to something else? And, and here's the thing. You have a choice. You realize that. You have a free will. You have a choice in this. Why wouldn't you choose to want to follow after the one who gave himself completely for you so that you could put that jersey on? You could accept that invitation that you are so unworthy of and you can walk in the new life. Why would you choose anything else? And maybe that's for you today to receive that invitation and learn what it means to grow in a spiritual journey with a spiritual community. Can I say just a few words to the seasoned believers this morning? Whether online or with us in the room, just a few words to the seasoned believers. Because this week as I was preparing, I was reflecting on this. Are these pretty basic principles that we're talking about right now? Perhaps. I mean, they are called the elementary principles of Scripture after all, right? And there could be a temptation for us to kind of just brush them aside and think they're not for us. They are for everyone. And if you're a seeking uh, spiritual sojourner or if you're a new believer, these are for you. And I hope you can tell we're doing the best we can to answer this question of what's next in this. What does it mean to be a disciple? And so this is for you. But some of these next thoughts, maybe you've been a believer for five or 55 years. I want to say a few thoughts to you, and, and it really comes from this heartbeat of 2 Timothy chapter 1, where Paul says to Timothy to kindle afresh the gift of God which is in you. Just fan the flame again. Be reignited in your faith. And I've just felt compelled this week to say a few things to you, so if you'll bear with me. I should say to say a few things to us, including me in this. So three thoughts. Thought number one, I was in a class Thursday night with one of our governing elders, Sam Serto. We are led and served by some tremendous elders in this church. And Sam is teaching a class called Chasing Wisdom with some other leaders. I, and I, I, if one of our elders wants to teach about wisdom, I want to sit at their feet and learn. And so over the next seven weeks, we'll be in there. And this Thursday night was our first class. Sam was giving the introductory remarks. He's a remarkable, wise leader. If you know him, you know that. And he was passing out what would maybe be called like a course syllabus. Uh, he's taking this seriously, and I'm glad he is, because we all are. And on there, he's got the, here's what week one will be, and the readings for this, and the agenda, and he's got the course objective. And um, there was a little typo on the page, and it was driving me nuts. He's got it all nice, formatted, nice and everything, but there's this word wise with a big capital R on the end, and it's, in, it's even in red. Everything else is in black print, this red R on the end. It's driving me crazy. I didn't even hear what he was saying for a couple minutes because I'm like, Sam. And he, start, he says, he says, now some of you may have noticed on here the big R on the end of wise. I'm like, yes, I did say something and lost. And he said, I put that on there for a reason because the focus is on the R. He said, think back to Proverbs chapter 9, verse 9, where it says, instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. It goes on and says, teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. 
He said the focus is on the R because no matter what level of wisdom you may feel like you've experienced, you can always be wiser. Friends, whether you've been in this journey for five years or 50 years, thought number one is this. There is still wisdom to be gained. Yes, from the original basic Didache, the first principles. There are still learnings to be received. You can grow wiser in your faith. You haven't arrived in this area. Neither have I. Keep growing, keep pressing on. And God will allow you to experience what it means to be wiser and wiser still. Thought number two, I got a speeding ticket a little bit over a month ago. Collective groan. I know it was a little over a month ago because I just paid $206 last week, waited till the last minute of my 30 day because I hate getting a speeding ticket. Been a long time. Full confession, I was going 35 and a 25. I seriously thought it was 35 when the officer said, how fast are you going? With pride, I said, 35, sir. <laughs> and he said, did you see the sign that said 25? No, I did not. <laughs> are you kidding me? Circle back around, sure enough, it's there. And I had a ticket to prove it. I got thinking about this fact that when I'm in high school and I'm taking my first driving class and first driving exams, what's one of the very first things you're told? Pay attention to the signs on the road. Obey the speed limit. Follow the traffic signals. You need to pay attention to those things because it will cost you dearly if you do not. And it could be dangerous for others. This is thought number two. The basic essentials are the easiest to ignore. Sign was right there. I've been driving for 25 years. I know to follow the speed limit, but the basic essentials are the easiest ones in our life to ignore. It reminded me of a, a great old hymn back in the 1800s. A Baptist minister wrote this song, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Maybe some of you have heard of it. And there's a, there's a phrase in the third verse of it that I, to me is one of the most haunting phrases uh, in a hymn that I've ever, I've ever been impacted by. Third verse goes, Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter. You know what a fetter is? It's that uh, heavy iron clasp that they would put around the ankle of a prisoner and chain it into the prison so they couldn't escape. He says, let your goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. And then this phrase, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart here and seal it. Seal it for your courts above. Prone to wander. This is a Baptist minister from about 250 years ago saying, he is prone to wander. And I'm a minister standing in front of you right now saying, I am prone to wander. And I love you enough to tell you that you are prone to wander. And we would do well to recognize our propensity to be people that wander from the God we love. Whether you're five years into this or 55 years into this. It's so easy to ignore the essentials. And when you do that, your heart will begin to wander. So, seasoned believer, take an inventory. Are there spots that maybe you have a disordered love, as St. Augustine would say? Are there spots that pride is seeping in, that the tenderness of your heart is, is not what it used to be? Are there spots where the fruit of the Spirit is not coming out like it should? Because we're prone to wander from the God we love. And then thought number three. I have this opportunity 
um, to mentor a little boy over at Triangle Elementary School in Lake County. Our Mount Dora campus has put a laser-focused spotlight on uh, Triangle Elementary over there. It's a school with the greatest need in the area. It's a Title I school. If you don't know what that means, it's just uh, significant poverty level there, and grade levels are just awful. There's this little third grade boy named Joshua. He's 10 years old, youngest of four kids. He's from Mexico. His dad died five years ago. He's got just one of those horrible home life situations, dealing with a lot of things. And every week, I try to make it a priority. Every Tuesday, I go and have lunch. Got about an hour window there where I can pull him out and we can just, we can just talk life, talk family, talk home, talk school, talk future. We just talk together. And I'm just saying humbly, he lights up every time we're there and he sees me and I light up when I see him. I'll give you a quick confession though. Sometimes my schedule gets full enough and my attitude gets crummy enough that it'll be Tuesday morning and I'll look at the clock and I'll be like, oh man, I got to get over to the school. And there's this gut check moment and I go over there, but I will tell you every time that I go over there, I walk away much more filled than I could have ever poured into little Joshua's life. I'm telling you that. I'm just confessing that. Because you may wrestle with the same thing. Anyway, a couple weeks ago, I go over there. I walk in, say hi to Nancy in the front. She's like, oh, I don't know if Joshua's here today. Oh, shoot. I said, well, let me go back to the cafeteria. That's fine. Go ahead. So I go back there where I normally would pick him up, put the name tag on everything. I walk in. I've been doing this for about six months with him. So now his class recognizes me. And they're all lined up getting their food trays. And I look, and sure enough, 15, 20 of them, one of the little girls says, Joshua ain't here today, you know, across the cafeteria. <laughs> I'm like, oh. So I just thought, well, I'm going to walk over and say hi to them. As I started walking over there, one of the other little girls raises her hand and says, can I be Joshua today? Another little boy goes, can I be Joshua? Can I be Joshua today? No kidding. And I mean, I just stood there about numb. I looked at the teacher trying to figure out, oh, and she's like, I'm so sorry, we can't, we have to have parental permission. She said, but hey, spend a few minutes with them. So just had a few minutes talking with them. Man, did I carry that away. Talk about a week that I'm really glad that I went there and God taught me something. And, I, and as I was preparing for this message, here, here's thought number three. Isn't it amazing how open these children are to anyone who's paying attention to them? That's both exciting and terrifying at the same way. Here's the thought. Someone is going to teach them a didache. Someone is going to teach them a didache. And it's most likely the person who pays the most attention to them. And there are boys and girls and there are men and women all around us, all around you, that someone is going to teach a didache. This is what I am equals us for them. There is all about there are people around you desperate for hope and for life and for a teaching that gives them something than what they've experienced, something new, something fresh. And it may be you are the only one or the closest one that can embody the teaching, the, the instruction, the didache of Jesus and the apostles. And you can be the one that God uses to tap on their heart and to throw on a jersey and to put them on a journey along with, with the joy of what it means to be part of the family of God. Someone is going to teach them a dedicate. It's everywhere. It's all around you. Embrace it, seasoned believer. Your journey is not done. In many respects, it continues and it just begins every new day. There's many of us who are on this journey together. Many of us who are excited and waking up to this 
this understanding that Christianity moves so much more than just a building and an institution. It, it has to be experienced in more than just 60 or 70 minutes together on a Sunday morning in a seat, looking at the back of someone else's head. This is good. There's good things that happen in here, but there's pieces that are missing. There's pieces that are incomplete. And there's a bunch of us, we, we keep talking about these distributed church gatherings. There's a bunch of us starting to experience this. My family does as well. We have a Sunday night church gathering that we're a part of. And I want to just say, it's messy. I mean, it's a learning, it's challenging, and you're meshing lives and stories together. But I will tell you, I love it. My wife and my daughter and my son, we love it. We love the people we're journeying with. We love being a part of their story, and we love that they're part of ours closely. And there's, there's, there's these layers of grace and learning and understanding, grappling and wrestling with what it means to live out the Didache of Jesus and the apostles together. Lots of us are experiencing this. Great leader out in Oviedo named John Nasby. And some of you in Oviedo watching right now, certainly you're nodding your head. He's a great leader out there. He's leading one of these distributed churches. And we got an opportunity to catch a glimpse of what God's doing in their story together. Watch this and see if your heart isn't drawn to what God's doing here. About a year ago, I realized that, that I love Jesus, but I didn't necessarily love the church. Now I say church, obviously, we're kind of using that word uh, kind of uh, differently, I guess, these days. I personally, even now, even when I use the word, I got to go, what is church? It was a, a place you went to. Uh, it was a, it was somewhat community. I didn't sense a responsibility to the body. I, I really sensed a responsibility in my relationship with Jesus and my family. The body, um, you know, I just didn't, it wasn't on my radar. As we went through the, the Gospel of John this past year, um, it was like Jesus was speaking to me. It caught me off guard, and I knew that uh, I, my thinking had to change, my heart had to change, and it slowly started to change. But then one day, one, one Wednesday morning, I'm meeting with the guys, and it was like, I don't know you guys. And, and primarily because I don't know your wives, I don't know your kids. And so that was my challenge I gave to them, that we really got to go deeper. You know, and sometimes we were going through a, uh, you know, maybe a Bible study, but over time, it's become more of an opportunity to share, uh, encourage people to, to, to offer a word from, from Scripture how God has, has, has spoke to them this week through Scripture. Um, we will do communion uh, on occasion. Uh, we will love on each other. We'll pray with each other. We'll, we'll get into each other's lives and say, hey, where, where can we help? Where, where can we come alongside you? I think so often we're, we're planning on, okay, we're going to have this event and these are the results. I'm less and less uh, worried about what happens as opposed to creating space for people to connect. It's people who love God, who realize that, uh, that they are, are broken apart from God, uh, that, that they're okay with, with sharing their hurts, their pains, people that are willing to, to take off the mask and, and be honest and real. I think that's what attracts people to, to, to Jesus. The church to me was this place I went to. 
on Sunday or Saturday night or, or Monday, whatever. It was a place. Now church to me is family. If you're that guy, I mean, you've been faithful to the, the church. I mean, you're involved, you're engaged, you're doing all these things. But uh, when you're in deep weeds, when, you, when, you're, when you're doubting if this is real, um, who are you gonna go to? Do you have two or three guys that you can go to because you built a relationship with, that they know your story and they can speak into your story and encourage you? That's what I see the distributed church is all about. I love the line John uses in there, church was a place and now it's a family. And there's again a growing number of us who are drawn to that experience. And if that's you and you are not participating currently in a distributed church, but you love the opportunity to or at least more information, on the way out today you'll get a card that looks like this or you can stop by the hub and grab one as well. And it'll guide you to the website, distributedchurch.com. You can go on there right now if you're online with us as well. Video you just saw as well as other stories have been captured and information on how you can be a part of one of these. Don't rob yourself of the joy of the spiritual journey in a spiritual family together. But before you can ever experience a spiritual family, you have to taste the spiritual life. And Jesus made that possible for you. Go back to the original verse today, Colossians 2.6. It says, therefore, as you have been established in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ Jesus our Lord. It's not just a fancy title for a business card. That tells you so much about who he is. He is our Christ Jesus, King, Messiah, the Savior Jesus. He is, as the gospel says, he is the promised one, the long-awaited answer to our brokenness. He is Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord. He is the master, Lord, leader of our life. And that's what it means to experience the spiritual life. We would be remiss if we didn't give an opportunity this weekend for you. If, if it's not part of your story yet, it can be to experience the spiritual life and to pray a prayer. It says in Romans chapter 10 that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And if you believe in your heart that he is indeed the Messiah and he was raised from the dead, that you can be saved. You can have the spiritual life and you can be part of the spiritual family. I want to invite you, if you've never prayed that, to do that with me today. And so what I'm going to do is invite everyone, would you bow with me in prayer? And I'll say a prayer, and if you want to pray it along in your seat there, it will give you this opportunity right in this moment or right online. You can pray this along and make Jesus the Savior of your life. Pray this with me. God, I know that I am a sinner, and I believe that Jesus died to pay for the sin in my life. I am trusting Jesus to forgive me of my sin. I believe that Jesus was raised again to give me new life. Please come into my life and be the full leader of my life. Amen. Amen. Now, if you've just prayed that, again, the scripture affirms you are saved. You are part of the family of God. God's tapped on your shoulder, you've received the invitation, and there are steps to be taken. So you can't go on without telling somebody about this. Please let us know. You can talk to somebody in the front uh, who'd be happy to just celebrate with you here at the Hub online. You can talk to uh, Nathan, uh, our online minister. 
or talk to me. I'd love to hear about the, the faith step you just took, but help us help you take some of these new steps in the spiritual journey. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we dismiss this morning. We gather every Sunday to celebrate our resurrected King, and I'm so glad every weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and I'm so glad that you chose to worship with us today. In a few weeks, we get to celebrate in a wild and great uh, way on Easter, and we are having, as Pete mentioned earlier, what, 418 services, I think, that weekend. Um, no, there's a lot, and that's a great thing we have as a church, isn't it? What a beautiful responsibility we have in this community. A lot of your friends that you'll invite want to come here and celebrate the resurrected king with us. So if you have the ability to help us by volunteering in one of those services, as soon as we're done, head back to the hub, and they'll help you sign up for whichever services are most convenient for you, okay? But as we go, here's my prayer for us this week, church. I pray that you embody and live out the didache of Jesus in such a way that all of the little Joshuas, whether they're boys or girls or men or women, all the Joshuas that God places in your life, and they will be there, I pray that they see the Didache live in such a way that they're drawn to it and that you will walk with them and let them know what it means to have life like Jesus offers. Have a blessed week. We'll see you next weekend.